Hello again, and welcome back to the Worthy C podcast. This is Chip Stewart, and it's Saturday, May 13th, 2023. And during this episode, I'd like to share with you a recent teaching at Domity Community Church in our men's group, and it's on the tongue. And during the episode, I want us to realize the importance of how God sees the tongue of man. Uh, could also be referred to in Scripture as the lips, the mouth, the throat. And, and then to understand the tongue and how powerful and dangerous it can be because it can be used as, as a weapon. I think we also need to understand what sins are committed with the tongue and, and also what, what kind of righteousness can be committed with the tongue. Also recognizing that what comes out of our mouths, what comes from our tongues is a reflection of what's in our hearts and then finally, how do we, I think we need to answer the question, how do we control our tongues? So I'll start off with a survey of what, the, what is said about the tongue in Psalms, Proverbs, and Jeremiah. And then I'm going to go into James chapter 3, which is the core of, of the teaching during this, during this episode. And how he, he addresses the tongue, the heart, defilement, righteousness, and, uh, and, and then you know, answer the question, how do we control our tongue? And then finally, I'm going to conclude with um, Revelation chapter 13 and, and a section out of there um, to talk about one of the um, most boastful tongues uh, in the history of the world. So let's start off with seeing what the Psalms say about the tongue or the mouth, the lips, the throat. Okay, and now I'll normally refer to it just as the tongue. But here in, in Psalm 5, in verses 9 through 10, it talks here about the wicked, the boastful, and the evildoers. And it says, For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels, because the abundance of the, their transgressions cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. And then in Psalm 10, starting in verse 2, talks about the wicked. In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised, for the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. And the one grieved for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. Then in Psalm 12, starting in verse 1, talks about mankind in general. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone. For the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts, those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us? Then turning to Psalm 15, starting in verse 1. This talks about the one who, who shall sojourn in the tent of the Lord. So this is a little this is looking at the other side of the tongue and using it for righteousness. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? 
He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved." Turning to Psalm 34, starting in verse 11, talks about the fear of the Lord. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And then turning ahead to Psalm 50, starting in verse 16, talks about the wicked again. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to recount my statutes and to take my covenant in your mouth? For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you are pleased with him and you associate with adulterers. You let your mouth loose in evil and you harness your tongue for deceit. You sit and speak against your neighbor. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I kept silent. You thought that I was just like you. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. And then the last one we're going to look at in the Psalms, turning to Psalm 52, starting at verse 1, it talks about the mighty man. Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction. Like a sharp razor, you, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. Salah. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. So that's just a snapshot of what the, the Psalms say about it. And this is certainly by, it's by no means exhaustive. Um, but now we're going to move on to, to Proverbs and what, how Proverbs describe the tongue and the use of the tongue. So if you turn to Proverbs 6, starting in verse 16, it talks about the seven things that are an abomination to the Lord. And you'll see in here, some of them are committed using the tongue. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Moving to Proverbs 10, starting in verse 20, here it contrasts the tongue of the righteous and the tongue of the wicked. It says here, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Proverbs 12, starting in verse 17, it contrasts the tongue of the wise or the truthful and the false witness of the liar. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest advice, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Let's move to Proverbs 15, starting in verse 1. This is, again, contrasting the tongue of the wise and of fools. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but, perverse, but, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. 
Also in Proverbs 15 and 28, it contrasts the mouth of the righteous and the wicked. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. And then Proverbs 18, verse 21, talks about the fruits of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So here in the Psalms and Proverbs, you'll, we, we see here the power that is in the tongue. And, and here in um, 18.21, it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And, and you see through all these scriptures that, that, I've, that I've shared with you how many different types of sins can be committed with the tongue and how dangerous and how, how violent it can be. Let's now turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It talks about Jeremiah's people. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the desert a traveler's lodging place, that I might leave my people and go away from them. For they are all adulterers, a company of treacherous men. They bend their tongue like a bow. Falsehood and not truth has grown strong in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Let everyone beware of his neighbor and put no trust in any brother, for every brother is a deceiver, and every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. Everyone deceives his neighbor, and no one speaks the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves, committing iniquity. Heaping oppression upon oppression and deceit upon deceit, they refuse to know me, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will refine them and test them, for what else can I do because of my people? Their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceitfully. With his mouth, each speaks peace to his neighbor, but in his heart, he plans an ambush for him. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? So Jeremiah is speaking about the, the wickedness coming out of the mouths of his people and comparing the tongue to, to a bow and an arrow in verses 3 and then, and then in 8, talking about being a deadly arrow and then comparing it, in, in, uh, comparing it here to deceit and speaking peace but preparing an ambush for his neighbor, the evil that's coming forth from the use of the tongue. So now... Let's turn to James chapter 3, um, starting in verse 1. And this is where James goes into to the tongue and, and what we need to be aware of and, and, uh, and, and that we have to consider taming it. And how do we do that? That's really the big question I think we, we need to have as Christians and need to be able to answer. So here in verse 1, uh, James says here, Do not many of you become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment? For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the entire body as well. I, I think I'm, I'm starting here in verse 1 for context at the beginning of the chapter. And it's very interesting here how he talks about teachers right off the bat. Um, and, and, we have, and we have to ask us why. why. Why is he singling out teachers and, and them receiving a stricter judgment? Well, first of all, a teacher is acting in the capacity of being basically a herald for God, someone responsible for speaking God's truth and to proclaim the entire counsel of Scripture. So they are not to misrepresent God 
and especially they're not to be a false teacher. So teachers are held to a stricter judgment because of also, and this is what James is about to get into, of how they use their tongue because they're teaching. They teach with their tongue. So if they are misrepresenting God, um, if they're boasting anything like that, then it can cause a lot more damage as a teacher than it could potentially as just another member of the congregation. And if you look through the rest of this chapter, which we'll get, we'll get into, you look at the warnings in the chapter about stumbling and the use of the tongue. You know, it's their primary means of communication and there's great opportunity to do evil with it as a teacher. And people see you as a representative of God and God's word. And if you are using it for evil purposes, then they, they're, then God, is his name is being maligned when you do that. So teachers need to guard their tongue. They need to be very cognizant of, of what they're sharing, just like I am doing in these, in these episodes. And in the chapter, it says the tongue can be used for boasting. It sets force on fire by unrighteousness. It defiles the entire body. It sets the course of our existence on fire. It is set on fire by hell. Right here, the devil seeks to exploit the tongue and use it for evil purposes. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. We use it to bless God, but then we use it to curse men. Some really terrible things can be done with the tongue. The arrogance can come through through the tongue. Selfish ambition and jealousy, which leads to disorder and every evil practice. Earthly, natural, demonic wisdom can come forth from the tongue. So there's a lot of, of traps. There's a lot of potential for error, for evil coming from the tongue. So that's why you have to admonish teachers to be very, very careful with what they are teaching to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, should we discourage people from teaching by, by, no, by no means, um, but it does mean that if you are teaching, you need to be in absolute submission um, to the Lord Jesus Christ and be, be faithfully representing, representing him, okay? So let's continue on into, uh, into verse three, okay? This is where he starts talking about, the James starts talking about the tongue of man. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot wills. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. If you think of how a forest fire can be started by just a small spark, that's, that's what he's comparing it to with the tongue. Just that one little thing that you can say can cause immense amounts of damage as it, as it catches fire to, with other people and, and it can spread far and wide and you have absolutely no idea, no intent at all. But that evil that comes out of our, off our tongue can light a forest on fire. In verse 6, he continues, And the tongue is a fire, the very world of unrighteousness. So when we look at unrighteousness and we look at sin, what kinds of sin can be committed with our tongue? You know, what, what, does our, what kinds of fires does our tongue start? So I've got a list here. I, I, I highly doubt it's complete. I'm sure you can find many other uh, evils and, and, and wickedness that can come, f- come from using our tongue. But here's just a few. 
and please consider them. But this, this shows you the power of the tongue because there's so many sins that can be committed with it. So you have gossip, complaining, slander, lying, deceit, hatred, cursing, scoffing, strife or contentions or quarreling, oppression, false witness against a neighbor, the expression of covetousness, dishonoring authorities, dishonoring parents, boasting or pride, crude joking, wrath, idolatry, witchcraft, whatever forms of, of demonic worship, blasphemy against God. So you, you think about all these things and, and that can come off our tongues. That, that comes using our mouth. What can these sins do to the body of Christ? What kind of damage can they cause within, within the body? What kind of damage can it cause within our families? I think we know quite well, probably from our own experiences. So we need to know how we can bridle our tongues and put them in check so that we're not committing these sins because our Lord does not want us to be sinning with our tongues. So I'm going to continue on. So I'm going to back up to, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. I think defilement is a very important point for us to understand as, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I looked up the definition in Webster's 1828, and I'd like to share that with you because I think it's very informative. Um, about this, about really the seriousness of being defiled, defiling ourselves with the use of our tongue. And within, within Webster's, it says, the definition is to taint in a moral sense, to corrupt, to vitiate, to render impure with sin. So I, I, I kind of focused in on vitiate because I, I don't know if I've ever used that word in my life before. And, and this is the one I think is is very useful for us. It says to injure the substance or qualities of a thing so as to impair or spoil its use and value. So by defiling ourselves, we're impairing or spoiling our use and our value. So this means that we are not as effective for Christ. We, we're impaired, we're spoiled in our value for him to be able to do his will in this life. So we don't want to corrupt ourselves. We don't want to be tainted with sin. We don't want to be impure with sin. We want to be the most effective servants of Christ that we can. And if we're defiling ourselves with our tongue, with, with these sins of gossip, of slander, of lying, cursing, whatever it is, then we're, we're not as valuable to, to our Lord as in regards to carrying out his will in this life. Now, what do we do when we find that we've sinned because of our tongues? How do we, how do we rectify this with our Lord? Well, we, we confess our sins to him. And 1 John 1, 9 tells us about that, that he, he will forgive us our sins. And that's what we must do when we realize that we've used our tongue to sin. But the best thing to do is not do it in the first place, right? So let's keep going. So now let's, um, let's look at what Jesus says about defilement. 
Um, Matthew chapter 12, starting verse 33, he says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So what's very um, interesting in this is he says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we have the problem with the tongue, but it's reflective of a heart issue. And I think that's one of the most important things that we need to take away from this, is that if we find ourselves saying things with our tongue, or we want to say something, but we put it in check, it's usually indicative of a heart problem that we need to investigate and find out, well, why did I want to say that? You know, why am I harboring resentment against that person? And you need to deal with that issue in your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to help you root it out and, you know, confess that. And, and get the assistance not not to commit that that sin anymore, that thought that you have that's provoking you to say something with your tongue. Let's let's continue to Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 10. And um, here he speaks of what defiles a man. And, and the background of this is the Pharisees were complaining about Jesus' disciples eating with unwashed hands. So starting verse 10, it says, After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what enters into the mouth that defiles a man, but what proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles the man. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Now Peter answered and said to him, Explain the parable to us. Jesus said, Are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and goes into the sewer? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. So our Lord here makes it very clear that it's those things that proceed out of that come out of our heart and proceed out of our mouth, they defile us. And we do not want to be defiling ourselves. And he he he's got the he's he puts his finger on the root cause of what's in the heart, and we need to deal with that issue. Whenever we find ourselves wanting to slander somebody, wanting to um, dishonor authority, be a false witness, boast, anything like that, we need, we need to repent of that. We need to confess that and, and ask for help to get that out of our hearts so we can be pure. We can be more like Jesus Christ himself. In, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 17, he also speaks about the heart and it starts in verse 9. And he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So here God is saying that he searches our hearts. We can ask him to do that for us and help us root out those things, that, that wickedness that may be, may be harboring 
in, in our hearts. So I'm going to back up and um, just continue on here because I've been pausing, but I'm going to start back at the beginning of verse 6 and read through. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our existence and is set on fire by hell. So it sets on fire the course of our existence. It just wrecks our lives when we use our tongues for wickedness. It wrecks the lives of people around us. And it's set on fire by hell. The hell here is, is Gehenna, which is the Valley of Hinnom where, where the, the trash of Jerusalem was burned and people sacrificed their children to Molech in, in the fire during a portion of Israel's history. But it's saying that the, the Satan and the demonic realm want to use our tongues for wicked purposes. They want, it, they want our tongues to be set on fire for, for, for use in unrighteousness. And they want us to defile ourselves. Let me make that clear. I think this is, this is very important, is that the world, the devil, the demonic realm, they want Christians to defile themselves so that we are not as useful as we can be for the Lord's kingdom in this life. They want to retard our ability to do what our Lord has called us to. And, and they will take every opportunity to try to have us defile ourselves, to t- be tainted morally so that we, we, you know, we are less useful. So we need, to, we need to acknowledge that and see it for what it is and then ask the Holy Spirit, ask our Lord for help so that we don't defile ourselves and catch these things. When you have these thoughts, you know, ask you, why? Why am I thinking that? And see if you have that heart issue that, that you need the Lord's help to resolve. Because we do not want to be defiled. We want to be, I'd like to say perfect, we're never perfect, right? But we want to be the, the best tools in the hands of our Lord to accomplish his will in this life that we can be. But we have to understand we have an adversary that wants us to defile ourselves. I'm going to continue. Verse 7. For every kind of, of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by has been tamed by mankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a fountain pour forth from the same opening fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. So back up here in the beginning of verse 8, he says, No one can tame the tongue. Back in chapter 1 of James, in verse 26, he says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious while not bridling his tongue, but deceiving his own heart, this man, this man's religion is worthless. So he's telling us we need to bridle our tongue, but right here it says no one can. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, he continues on. I'll answer that in a minute. He continues on here, says, Is a restless evil and full of deadly poison? Well, you know, where does he get the idea of poison? Well, it's like a snake. Uh, Psalm 140, starting in verse 1, uh, talks about poison. It says, Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their heart and stir up wars continually. They make their tongue sharp as a serpent's, and under their lips is the venom of asps. So full of deadly poison like a snake. 
So the problem, going back to the problem, is who then can tame our tongue? Well, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So it talks about guarding our mouth. Psalm 39, uh, starting in verse 1, says, I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail and my distress grew worse. So he's dist- distressed about trying to, to not sin with his tongue. Well, I think Psalm 141 may help us out in how do we tame our tongue. It starts in verse, four, verse 3 where it says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil to busy myself with wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity and let me not eat of their delicacies. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil. So here in this psalm, it addresses both the mouth and the heart. So what it tells us is it's the Lord who will help guard our mouths and not let our hearts incline to any evil. We need to seek that from our Lord. Only he can help us because it's set up here, no one can tame the tongue, but God can. And we need to ask him to do that for us, purify us. We need his help being purified to be like his son, Jesus Christ. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you guard your tongue and purify your heart. Remember, if you have something that you're holding your tongue from saying, you may have that deeper problem in your heart and you need to investigate that and purify your heart. James chapter 4, and starting verse 8, talks to this. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Purify your hearts and the Holy Spirit will help us with that. So in verse 9, it talks about we curse men. You know, we bless the Lord, but then we turn around and curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. So are we really blessing God with our tongue if we also curse men who are made in his image? Because that, that violates love your neighbor. It violates love one another. So we have to ask ourselves, if we're using our tongues for wicked purposes against our neighbor, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, do we really love God at all? Examine your heart. Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 21, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, You have heard that the ancients were told you should not murder, and whoever murders shall be guilty before the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, or empty-headed, shall be guilty before the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, You fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. So our Lord is admonishing us not to be using our mouth to, to curse our fellow man. And then verse 10, again, it says, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Brothers and sisters, let's listen to James. We should not be using our mouths for cursing. It should, they should be used for blessing, for righteousness. So, I ask you to reflect on those sins that we commit with our mouth and 
make a deliberate effort not to do that. Does a fountain pour forth from the same opening fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. So let's talk about fresh water, if you will. If we're going to use the analogy of salt water, it's not something you want to drink and fresh is. So, you know, sin versus righteousness, wickedness versus righteousness. So what kind of righteousness can come from our tongues, can come out of our mouths? Things to consider. Blessing. Rejoicing. Praising. Joy. Worship. Truth. True witness as opposed to, to the false witness of unrighteousness. Encouragement, kindness, comfort, gentleness, correction, admonishment, and rebuke, brotherly affection, forgiveness, love, and peace. Again, this is not exhaustive. I'm sure we can find many more in the scriptures. That was just kind of a first pass. But that, those are the things that we need to focus on to come from our lips brothers and sisters, it should not be used for cursing. And we have to remember, you know, we have that help from, from, from above because we are born again. We're born from above. We have a new heart and we have the Holy Spirit to help us. Let us capitalize on that so that we are not committing sin. We're no longer a slave to sin, so we don't have to. We don't have to sin. So when you find yourself thinking those things of cursing a brother or sister or a neighbor or any other wickedness that, that almost comes out of your lips, go to, go to God, go to the Holy Spirit to help you cleanse that from your heart. So in closing, I just want to say that we need to recognize, you know, in the conclusion of all this, we need to recognize the damage we do to ourselves and others with our tongues, you know, to ourselves, the defilement. Remember, we have an adversary. We have the devil, we have the world system, they would love to see Christians defile themselves so that they're not as useful uh, for God as, as they could be. So we need to recognize that damage we do to ourselves and defilement and others, people in our family, people around us, our neighbors, people in the body of Christ. The tongue can be used as a weapon We need to guard our mouths. Because of this, we need to guard our mouths. We need to ask for God's help. And remember, the root cause is somewhere down the heart, so we need to purify our hearts. Be more like Christ. We should be blessing others and not cursing them. So, as I said at the beginning, I want to close with Revelation chapter 13, starting at verse 5. This is evil coming from the tongue of, of like the ultimate evil person that's going to ever walk the planet. It's the beast. So starting in verse 5 in chapter 13, it says, And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opens its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. So certainly let us not be like the beast who is uttering haughty and blasphemous words. 
the ultimate evil being done with the tongue. Brothers and sisters, guard your tongues. Purify your hearts. Bless and do not curse.